clarity to the term Christian. Part 10. The Christian has the penalty of his sin paid for in the death of the Son of God. Welcome to Powerful God Practical Faith. I'm your host, Daniel Cody. In our last post, we discussed Statement 5 and the incredible truth of God's love for the Christian in eternity past. We learned how before we were even born, in fact, before the world itself was created, he chose the Christian to receive his wonderful gift of salvation. We also learned this salvation, which God in his grace gave to the Christian, was executed in time through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. There's so much to be thankful for in God's divine plan for those whom he has called to himself. This brings us now to our next statement, which is really just an extension of statement five. Statement six says, a Christian is a person who has had God's love shown to him by having the penalty of his sin paid for by the death of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. In this blog, we'll begin to understand more about the means by which God saves us. Now, if you recall, statement five said that God extended his love toward us even though we were at that time sinners and enemies of God. Even earlier in our series, we learned that the Christian was a slave to sin and facing God's eternal punishment. It is very important to pause here and consider once more the seriousness of what it really means to be a sinner. Even as I ponder what God's word says about it, I can't say that I always take to heart how evil, contentious, and defiant sin is and how God abhors it. It is as if God sees sin as much more than acts of disobedience. Sin in reality is truly rebellion against God from the inside out. This rebellion is so spiritually toxic that it decays the soul, making us totally unfit to be in the presence of a holy God. Now, as we learned in our earlier blog post, this soul decaying sin nature has a consequence. The consequence is both fatal and final, if allowed to be faced by us alone. The consequence for sin, of course, is death, as we learned earlier. We also learned that this consequence of death is both a spiritual and physical reality. So how did the Christian, who was once a sinner, pay the penalty for his sin? How did he suffer the fatal and final consequence of his actions against a holy and completely righteous God and live to tell about it? Well, the answer is simple. He didn't. Even though this penalty had to be paid, no Christian alive today has paid it. No Christian has paid this penalty because no Christian could. Remember again Romans 6, 26, which says, For the wages of sin is death. For the Christian to pay for his sin, he would of course have to die. If the payment is death, then there is no hope for the Christian because there is no coming back from death, at least from a human perspective. The Christian nor anyone else has the capacity to satisfy his debt to God without it being his ultimate end. In fact, this condition is so bad that God considered us already dead even prior to physical death. Listen to how Paul describes Christians before they came to know Jesus Christ. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked 
according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Ephesians 2, 1-4 In this passage, Paul was essentially calling us the walking dead. We were living a life totally devoid of the holiness of God. Paul also notes in this passage how we were dead. The passage says that we were dead in trespasses and sins. Now these two terms, although rather synonymous with one another, seem to have special emphasis when they are spoken of together. The term trespass means the actual sinful activity itself. It is an unlawful or immoral deed committed. The term sin or sins, although it can also mean a trespass, seems to lean toward the intention of the heart that brought about the trespass. Paul is saying that we are spiritually alienated from God or dead because of our immoral deeds which are motivated by our corrupt, depraved, sinful hearts. The sinner, in essence, is both dead and will die. So what can be done about this dilemma? The Christian has a death payment that has to be paid. It is an absolute certainty that he cannot pay this penalty. Nonetheless, as our God would have it, there is an answer. A remedy for this seemingly impossible set of circumstances. The remedy is none other than God himself. Listen to what Paul articulates in Romans 5. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps the good man, someone, would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 6-8 So then, in this passage, we learn that the remedy for our fatal and final dilemma is Christ's death for us, in our place, because of God's love for his people. Now it is important to note the timing in which this act of love was applied on our behalf. Paul says that God demonstrated his love while we were yet sinners. We should never lose the significance of this phrase because loving us while we were still sinners shows something unique about God's eternal intention. First of all, it means that he loved us before we had the ability to love him back. As sinners, in our sin, we had no ability to love God truly or to seek him as we learned in Romans 3. Secondly, God's love was not based on anything good that we did. There's nothing that the Christian did or could do that would motivate Christ to take on death for his sin. God's love and his demonstration of love was fully and completely unconditional. It is certainly true what the prophet Jonah said in his prayer of contrition in Jonah 2.9. Salvation is of the Lord. Thirdly, this means that God is very intentional in his plans and activities. He saw a people he wanted to save from sin and death and did all that a holy but merciful God could do to grant us life everlasting. With God, 
There was no chance, happenstance, or plan B. There was only the triune God executing the work of redemption to an undeserving people. In St. John 15:13, Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. There could never be enough rejoicing, praise, and thanksgiving for the God-man who gave his life for us. It is an humbling but gratifying honor to be a Christian loved by God. Next time, we'll be discussing the application of Christ's righteousness and the necessity of his resurrection for the eternal redemption of the Christian. Come back for part 11 of bringing clarity to the term Christian. I'm your host, Daniel Cody. Thank you for listening. See you next time. And God bless.